Welcome in, everyone, to episode 168 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Joined, as always, by my dear friend, the co-host with the most, George <laughs> As You can follow him on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. I don't prep these or plan these at all, but whatever. What's up, man? What's up, dude? Yeah, um, you know, always, always fun to get together and talk. Here we go. Doing shortstop today. Um, yeah, man. so much so we're trying to what keep a, the energy and positivity, but it's like it's deflating, dude. Um, no yeah, CBA what a week. movement. Sorry, I was just saying, what a week! Like this was supposed to be the week where we see movement, right? I mean, the they were going to sit down every day and hammer this the CBA out, and here we are, Thursday night, and they've just like inched. Like there's like a dozen topics, and like they've just inched closer on like two or three every day, but not even the most important ones. And then suddenly it's like, oh, we don't know where to go from here. And it's just like, yeah, it's discouraging as a fan, as an analyst, as yeah, as a, a baseball player. lover. All, all, all these drafts I've done, just staring yeah. at my teams, wanting it's to put make... me in a weird spot too uh, with drafts. Yeah, like I told myself I'd be done at this point, like I'm done with draft champions, with DC drafts, and like. I want to do other drafts, but I also want to wait for the CBA. I want to wait for that rush of news, uh, player news to come. Like we got um, but... one, we got McCullers and how he's not like rehabbed and where he wants to be in his rehab. And then we got some of like some more information on how significant the injury actually was. So it's like TJ's legitimately thing. So we could talk about, we'll touch, we'll touch on that momentarily, but that's kind of like every bit of news is overanalyzed. Every bit of news is what we're clinging on to. And all this is killing the sport. Like we were talking about, the casual fan isn't really into it right now. Um, Twitter isn't as busy. The the content isn't getting as much exposure. People just aren't as into it. And I, I get it because even like you said, on this content creation side, it's getting harder and harder to stay motivated when we've been through this for 2020. So it's like it's starting to feel more and more like 2020 again, where it's like maybe we are gonna unfortunately because i've been very positive up until about mm-hmm. yesterday the day before like i've been very positive and i'm like now i'm starting to get a little deflated and it sucks because people tuning in are probably also trying to get away from not only the depressing cba stuff but obviously there is far greater concerns in this world right now which mm-hmm. of course our thoughts are with everybody over in ukraine hopefully anybody has military families and all that like i hope everyone's safe we do wish everyone well that's has any type of involvement in that situation but hopefully you can tune in we'll be happier we're gonna talk shortstop we're gonna get into it here shortly uh just wanted to uh kind of you know obviously send well wishes and all that that direction but again we are trying to help distract from all that but yeah we're, we're human you know we try to be real with everybody we try to be honest and it's been hard it's just been hard to between again between the real life stuff and the cba stuff it's been hard to get going but hey i did drop an article today this is <laughs> thursday night 224 i dropped an article randomly about on, on p alonzo's splits uh second split article i've done i'm gonna do a couple more of those i know you mentioned you're probably gonna work on something over the weekend um got good news big news excited to see the excitement in the voice exciting news monday i can't announce it until then but yeah i have good news at least for personal news very very like i'm very excited to share so it involves yeah, fantasy baseball. 
Yeah, I know George knows, but that's like that's a small circle that knows. And uh, George is one of those guys, and can't say it yet. But yeah, yeah, Monday. we got uh, TGFBI also starting, right? Yeah, we got TGFBI. At least that'll that'll keep me over, hold me over at least uh, as far as drafting goes. I don't think mine will. Um, I love the idea of TGFBI and what I'm gonna be doing. <laughs> I think. Um, but the problem is, I found out like one of the one of the guys ran uh, recently, not randomly. I'm sure he planned it. Recently moved from New York to Israel. I have another guy in the UK, I think, in my league. So there's going to be a lot of delay in picks, which I'm not. Yeah, I'm not in a super big hurry, but it is going to frustrate me when I see people like, oh, our league's moving fast. And my uh, one of the guys says he has a system in terms of how he picks and, you know, works around being on a different time zone than pretty much majority of the league. And I think and and the other player from Israel mentioned like you know i think he got with him to talk about that system so i do have some optimism with it but realistically i'm i'm not here to complain about slow drafting at this point yeah there's no like if the cba especially come monday if the cba doesn't get signed monday by the by monday then i really have no optim like i'm at that point i'm like take your time i'll enjoy it i've done but like you said i the reason why i'm waiting to draft more is because i've drafted to a point where i feel i feel like nothing's changing in my approach i feel mm-hmm. like i've kind of I've hit that. Like, don't get me wrong. Some maybe some of my later targets. I'm still like changing it up. But my core builds, like the same. I like the same players in the early rounds. Um, don't know how much that's going to change after the CBA. But I'm. But I do feel like you know there's going to be movement. Maybe the Rangers make a couple big more a couple more big splashes. And now Semyon starts getting that lineup protection. Now he's a lot more interested. Maybe I start targeting him more. Um, stuff like that. You just never know. Do the Tigers continue to improve around Baez? Or are they done? Do they sign it? Does, where does Kenley go? Where does so? I think the closer situation, which you all fun following that, um, that's gonna yeah. be wild. But you see, like I, th- I'm big on Tapera by the way. I think Tapera is gonna get a job. So I've been targeting him in drafts recently. So guys, I might have missed on early on, like Chad Pender, Tapera, guys that are going super late. Those are guys I've been getting lately. I like guess when I take when I do a new draft, I'm like, all right, I'll get these new late guys I like. Um, I, I'm making sure to go out of my way to get those guys. So that's about. The only difference, though, is like most of my top, most of my top 300 picks, I have a pretty set, like a pretty set foundation in how I want to treat them, and I do diversify. But I just want to, I don't know, like it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to get excited about a draft even right now because again, I, there's no news, no nothing changing, no reason to be like, like, like the Mitch Keller thing was exciting. We found out he was on 100, but that's about it. Like, <laughs> like that. Okay, cool, and we ate it up, and he, his ADP probably jumped up like 50 picks because he's going so late but it's like there's no the markets aren't moving much there's there's just nothing going on and it's it's aggravating like as the fantasy player i want to i want to adapt my thinking i want to get some more information to adapt to how i'm approaching certain players we don't even know half these players are signed like it's just aggravating i know i can't i keep saying the word aggravating <laughs> and it's just for it, it just sucks though because i want to draft i want to enjoy the draft and i'm at the point now where it feels redundant i feel like i'm just doing it's being a dead horse nothing like it's just it's it's it is what it is i guess yeah i I hear you i'm rambling i'm rambling on and i'm just i'm sure people are either a sick of listening to that sorry you i hope i hope you're still around and b or b they understand and they feel what we're going through um don't forget right before we're about to get we're about to jump into shortstop uh check us out on sk playbook i told you i dropped the article today we still have the discord we're rolling um trying to stay active in there I'm going to start streaming MLB the show again and uh, having some fun. Maybe we'll do like, I think I'm going to try to do some type of, we, we do home run derbies and stuff uh, when I used to stream. So it's going to be fun. But anyways, escapehaywork.com, the discord, the community, 
I do my lineup chart that everyone seems to like for spring training. I'm going to do one in season daily for community members only. So that's something we're bringing up. We're going to do, you know, little player previews, pretty much uh, AMAs. We have a whole bunch of stuff planned in season to keep everyone busy and included and involved. Uh, so check us out there. It's the community. It's $2.99 a month or $19.99 or for the year. So, yeah, that's what that is. Um, Five-star rating review. Don't forget that. Spotify has it now. Appreciate it. All right. Shortstop. Now that it's eight minutes into the show. Um, (laughs) So I've noticed something. We talked about a little bit. Inside the top 20, I'll I'll stretch it to 21. Inside the top 21 shortstops, like per NFBC, because we're, oh, I don't don't know about you. I forgot to tell you this part. I'm looking at draft champions uh, (laughs) ADP since February 1st. That's what, 20, that's exactly what I pulled up. Okay, twenty-seven picks or twenty-seven drafts, so that's a decent sample size. And inside the t- inside the top twenty-two, I guess Urias dropped one. Uh, there is like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of the top twenty-two shortstops off the board are multi-positional eligibility eligible. Why well, yeah. I re- I bring that up because shortstop is the deepest position, but is it really that deep? When I'm gonna say most of the people here are drafting a shortstop as a middle infielder too, assuming in leagues that have middle infield. If you are in a shallower format, you can wait on shortstop and be just fine. Or you can pick up a Trey Turner and Tatis and utilize them and pick and utilize them in their secondary positions, second base and outfield respectively for Turner and Tatis. You can utilize them in those positions because a shortstop is so deep. You can pick them up, pick up another shortstop. So Keep that in mind. I attack shortstop. I I still prefer one of the earlier ones. I still prefer a top seven-ish, top six shortstop. And we'll talk about the top six per ADP. And those are my top six in different order. But I prefer a top six with, and I'm a little higher on Baez, even though I probably shouldn't. I'm just so sick of getting burned by fading him. Which, again, we, and that's another thing. We've talked about half these guys, so we'll breeze through them all again tonight. But I bring that up because um I personally, just how I attack the shortstop positions, I like to get one of the top six or seven. And then I'm honestly okay taking another one, probably two inside the top 20, because they're again that multi-position eligibility for many of them allows me to be flexible and helps me build my team throughout the drafts. How do you attack shortstop? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, uh, as deep as the position is, I mean, you know, we, you have at least you know in those top 21 that you mentioned, um, you know, viable shortstops. But like once you get like past pick 200, it really it really kind of falls off a cliff. Um, so. Like, whereas you could find like outfielders, corner infielders, um, you know, after 200, uh, shortstop kind of just falls off there. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I do definitely prefer like one of these top um, top six or seven shortstops, uh, especially at, at the top there. It's so top heavy with the guys that can provide like that uh, five category production if you're, you know, playing in roto leagues. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, a lot of these guys with multi position eligibility. So, like a Javi Baez or Jazz Chisholm, Jorge Polanco, you're, you know, probably playing them at second base. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take multiple uh, of these guys. I'll take two or three of these guys, really, you know, depending on, you know, where, where you could fit them in on, on your roster. So, I, I'm looking at, I don't know if, how updated your ranks are, if they're updated at all, but I pulled up the ranks and we're, we'll start, we'll start right at the top per ADP. Turner's one, Tatis two, Bichette three. We both have them all in a tier of them, of themselves at the top. And I, you have Tatis one over Turner, at least as of now. Is that something you are still okay with? Or have you changed your stance on it at all? I mean... It, it's the injury. It's with not, me. That's why I'm asking. 
personally. Yeah, I mean, Tatis has the highest upside, I think, for sure. You know, he has the highest fantasy upside. I think that's what I was looking at there. Um, I totally get why Trey Turner kind of just, like, is basically has been an automatic first pick off the board, at least in every draft that I've done. I... I've wanted a number one pick so bad this draft season. <laughs> I've gotten number two three times, and I've taken Tatis twice, and I, I took Bichette in the in the third one. Um, no J-Ram. The disrespect. <laughs> no, I have a couple J-Rams. J, uh, yeah, but five not spot. a two. Yeah, dude, that's always <laughs> sweet. When you get that four or five spot and J-Ram falls, I love that yeah. every time. Yeah, really, you can't go wrong with any of these guys. Just, uh, just kind of... Um, Are you different. concerned with a shoulder? The shoulder injury for Tatis. He, he he never had surgery. Are you concerned uh, about it? And if so, what level of concern do you have for Tatis? I mean, I'm not uh, too concerned just because, I mean, look at the production he put up last year regardless. 42 home stupid. runs, 25 stolen bases, 282 batting average, 99 runs scored, 97 RBI. That was 130 games. I mean, th- this guy is just on another level. Um, I, I mean, you, you know, if without the injury concerns, I think him and, and like Ronald Acuna are just like just a completely on another level here as, as far as the talent goes. I mean, um, yeah, I, I mean, so for me, it's not like I, I love Turner and I understand why he's going number one. Um, and I, I wish I can get a Trey Turner uh, share this year. <laughs> I, I hope I, I get a either. number one pick at some point. Because I have not been able to, I see here in the the ADP that he's gone uh, a max of four. I, I wish I was in that draft, but um, yeah, I mean, I totally get it. But I do think that Tatis does have the highest upside, and I'm not so concerned um, with that shoulder. He's I'm definitely not avoiding him. So I have taken him a couple times out of the two spot. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. Is Turner Turner's an automatic number one for you? Yeah, he's it's between him and Jerem. I actually have Tatis as my three in my overall, mm-hmm. and it's. A lot of it is a, I trust Turner's floor more. Tatis, I'm not questioning the upside of talent. I actually, like you mentioned, I actually have, I think, two out of seven teams I think I have Turner on. So I'm not fading him at all. Um, Sorry, not Turner, Tatis. I mixed them up. Two out of my seven teams I have Tatis on. I'm not fading him at all. And it's funny because I mentioned, you know, utilizing these players outside of shortstop. I picked Tatis twice. I think on both leagues or both teams, he's either my middle. He's either I think he's my outfielder in both leagues because outfield falls off quicker than shortstop. I tend to end up falling, you know, getting uh, Willie Adamez or Luis Sirius or Ahmed Rosario, even if I'm lucky enough. And um, I'm usually okay moving Tatis to the outfield. So I, but yes, I'm not afraid of Tatis. I'm willing to take the risk on the injury. I don't do a lot of, I'm not big on injuries early, but he's a guy because of how special he is. And you mentioned 40 20 in 130 games last year is stupid. It's stupid good. And I'm willing to take a risk on the health, given the production, even if he's missing time, I expect him to still be a top-tier producer, even with time missed. So, yes, uh, Tatis is one of those guys I'll make the exception to take a chance on early. But I do understand people like, there's people who have Bo Bichette over him and, and all that. I, I get it. I really do. If you're that scared of the injury, because, you know, again, he didn't have surgery to address it. But he showed he was able to play through it last year. Unless he had a significant re-injury, I don't see how he doesn't play through it again this year. Even if he does have an IL stint or two, that's fine because we saw what he could do even with an IL stint or two. So Fernando Tatis is a guy that I'm not fading. I'm just not willing to take over what I feel is a safer pick and turner in terms of playing time. That's all. Yeah, That's really all it is because, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's about all I got for that. 
Um, Bo Bichette, though, we both have him at three. Do you have any concerns over Bo Bichette, or do you think he's kind of entered that star tier and he's here to stay? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't have any concerns really with, with Bichette. Um, I, I did take him number two in, in one of my DCs, um, and that was really just – I hadn't had a – it was my first Bo um, share of the draft season, so I wanted to, definitely wanted to get a share of Bo. And, and diversify a bit there at the top but yeah i mean I, I i love it i mean you know he's one of these guys that i mean sometimes you can knock so, sometimes you can knock players for you know lack of of uh, plate discipline maybe um you know for having such an aggressive approach but i mean it with bachette if you can make a lot of contact and a lot of good contact like that can actually be a really good thing for as far as fantasy goes i mean he had a 298 batting average last year um and you know, 301 the year before, 311 in his uh, debut in 2019. But uh, number two in, in on the season, number two in all of baseball in hits. So you kind of that might be a little like it. Maybe it's one of those things that if you're just splitting hairs here at the top of the draft. But someone like Bichette that has such an aggressive approach on a team that the lineup's going to turn over multiple times. Um, you know, even if he's not walking a ton, he's he's just man. He makes a lot of contact, so he's getting a ton of hits. Uh, so he's still getting on base. You know, scored 121 runs, drove in 102. Uh, you know, the power's legit. You know, even despite uh, a pretty much 10% increase in his uh, ground ball rate, went up from 40% to 49%. Still put up 50 barrels for a 9.9% barrel rate, hitting the ball harder. You know, 47.5% hard hit rate. So I, I mean, 50 barrels. Uh, yeah, 29 home runs is right in line there. You know, if you think about it from like a 60% conversion rate of uh, barrels to home runs, it's, you know, the, so the, the power's legit. You, you think if that ground ball rate comes down just a little more, he can, you know, there's a possibility he eclipses, you know, 30 home runs um, in such a good lineup. And I think the only area that you might be able to point to and say, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to repeat that are the 25 stolen bases. But I mean, he was 25 for 26 last year. The team, I mean, is pretty aggressive. So, I, I mean, I think you can at least count for, you know, maybe 20, 20 stolen bases. Um, yeah, I don't know. Where are you at with that? Because I think that might be the only thing you could point to with Bichette and be like, yeah, I don't know if he's as safe for 25 steals again. I mean, you're talking about a fantastic hit tool for Bichette uh, at the top of an elite lineup. I have little to no questions in terms of the production. I'm all about Bo Bichette being a top five pick. I just prefer the other two over him. But again, we talked about Bichette over Tatis. I've seen it. It'll happen in drafts the rest of the way. And I get it because one has shown health. And I do think there still might be another potential, like another step forward, even like not saying he'll take it. But I think there's that potential for it. So I think you can expect the high floor with elite production in general from Bichette. And again, being at the top of an elite order helps with those counting stats. So there's, you know, again, full five category category producer. I'm I I've got nothing to add. Really, you hit the nail on the head with Bichette. I'm I'm in. I'm not really questioning. Uh, moving on to the next tier for us, and so that was top three in, per ADP. Tim Anderson's four, Trevor Story five, Simeon six. You and I have um, Anderson. See, I'm I'm torn between Anderson and Simeon myself. Um, Anderson does go ahead of him in ADP. I have it ranked that way. You have Simeon ahead of all of them. I'm me and your Trevor Story guys. We can talk about that in a second. But 
we've talked about Marcus Semien already, actually, in second base. So anybody wanting more in-depth reasoning there for second base, I think we can sum up our Marcus Semien feelings by saying that we're not as concerned as maybe the market is. I mean, I know there's going to be some deterioration in those counting stats, but we saw his approach. Semien's such a pull, fly, a fly ball, pull heavy guy that the home, the power should still be, still should still produce even in that ballpark. And if you look at his home runs, if you look at last year's home runs and hit chart over the parks that are down in his division, you can see that the power won't be sapped regardless. Again, assuming that the approach is the same for Semien. So I just want to drive. That's the only part I want to drive home for Semien. But again, you have him four over Trevor Story, which I think is crazy because you're supposed to be the Trevor Story guy with me. Here. Yeah, yeah, no, this is definitely an adjustment I needed to make. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how uh, how long ago we started these rankings back. <laughs> they've been just but, sitting uh, here, just sitting been, here festering. They've, yeah, they've been sitting here for a bit, so I got to go through and make some adjustments. But uh, this might have been before just, the signing, but uh, I got to definitely sure. send me in a couple spots down because I would prefer in a vacuum uh, Trevor Story and Tim Anderson at least, um, maybe even Xander Bogarts, depending on my team build but um yeah i mean really with story and anderson at at this point it kind of just depends on maybe who i took to start my draft with those first two picks uh you know if i'm if i took me if i did start with like a jose ramirez and and i'm not too sure like as far as the batting average i want to secure that batting average a bit i think tim anderson's a great pick if i just want to add more you know raw you know home runs and stolen bases i think trevor story is a great pick so you know and i've taken both of these guys at the end of the second um in in different drafts so you know really yeah i i don't think you can go wrong with with either here i mean with tim anderson it's all about the volume if he could stay healthy you know hitting at the top of that order uh i think it'd be he could be a fantasy beast you know 300 with 2020 potential there and um with trevor story i mean yeah we still have some we still have, you know, uh, a bit to determine as far as where he's going to play uh, and then how that might affect, you know, um, I, I think just the batting average is going to be the only question mark there. Where does that settle um, outside of cores? He hit 251 last year, but he did cut his strikeout rate down a, a career low, 23 uh, percent, did increase his contact rate. I think he got ex- like incredibly unlucky last year uh, and then. Uh, you kind of wonder, you know, just how how motivated he was in, in that second half. We kind of touched on that before, but yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with with either of these guys. I think Trevor Story and Tim Anderson are, are incredible picks. I actually started my last draft with Tatis and then Story, um, yeah, with Tatis in that outfield spot. So that that's yeah, that definitely comes in handy. I was really upset with the first draft. Like I looked back at my very first draft of the season, and it started out beautifully, and I ruined it because I wasn't nearly as prepared as I should have been. Like towards the end of the draft when you need to fill innings and saves, and I'm pretty sure I dropped the ball there, especially because I depended on this is back when so before Soto kind of lost some of his luster. I had Soto, so I had Soto as my SP. Or anyway, it was a uh, it was a J Ram Freeman Tim Anderson start. I started three straight uh, hitters, and I loved looking back at now. I mean, I would still love that start now because I think that that hits on everything. Although mm-hmm. maybe I should have taken Story there. Because I had Freeman, but now I feel like Freeman and and uh, Anderson were great. But the thing about Anderson is he's pretty much like a Starling Marte. He doesn't play a whole lot of games, but the problem is, is he, you know, he still gives you 15-15. He's given you at least 17-17 in, th- in the last three full seasons, you know, minus 20-20. So he's giving you that power and speed Anderson is. But he he's only broken 20-20 once in terms of home runs and stolen bases, and he's only played 
123 games or less each of the last three years. Again, 2020 shouldn't count. So he's only played, he hasn't broke 123 games his last two full seasons. And he's only, he's only played over 145 twice. And, or sorry, yeah, well, yeah, twice. And that was 2017, 2018. So we're seeing a trend here with him consistently missing games and all that. So you got to bake that in. Like you're going to get a high amount, you're going to get a good batting average over a high amount of at bats, regardless, because he doesn't walk. But Anderson, doesn't play a lot so kind of counterbalances itself just be aware that you're going to have to again shortstop being as as deep as it is as a position maybe be more willing to a little more liberal in terms of reaching for a secondary shortstop knowing that you might need to replace anderson for a couple weeks throughout the season that would be the only thing i'd mention but dude yeah i'm looking back at some of these teams these early teams i drafted some players i had no business i'm so depressed by like i get so upset when i look at you just get to, you get upset because you thought you were ready for a draft and you realize you kind of weren't like you probably should have been a little more prepared so you're like fine i'll be more prepared next time and then you realize you kind of weren't again yeah this is the draft <laughs> i went i went jram freddie to Anderson. i took a shot on chris sales my ace back to one with barrios like that problem is is that with me with jordan romano is my first relief pitcher but then I got Chris Bryant to just to add on to kind of that high floor and third base. Because, I, oh, I had I had Jose, but I wanted a second third baseman slash, out, slash outfielder. I took Pablo Lopez. This is before, you know, I was really keen on his injury concerns. So I took Lopez a little on the early side, paired him with Marcus Stroman, which now I took Marcus Stroman at 125. You can get him like at 175. This is how long ago. This draft was like in October or November. Um, Gregory Soto is my RP2. Great. But I got I got Solaire Wong Grandall. This of course I have Descafani on six or seven teams. Um, <laughs> but it's just one of those things like I didn't I have I think Yaz and Canna are my outfielders four and five, and I'd rather not have both of them as my four and five rather than be more of like a I rather than be more like you know both either one of them being my five. Um, I lack depth. I'm just looking at this team. I'm just upset. Like I have to I have to vent because this team does upset me because. I didn't draft well towards the end of this draft um, at all, unfortunately. Like, the team, <laughs> like if this team has any injuries, I might be in trouble. I only have two bench outfielders. Yeah, I'm sure I have a draft or two like that uh, that I'd be afraid to look back on. <laughs> uh, David Fletcher, what was I doing? I have so many second basemen. Why, why do I have so many? Oh, no, I have Kyle Lewis as my sixth outfielder. Okay, so I, have, I have Ken Giles. He'll get a few saves. It's not dead in the water type of deal but it's definitely not my strongest bench depth you know what i mean so yeah. that's where that's where i screwed up you have to, and that i mean that's the perks of you know drafting early you get to I, I still overall like this build but it's going to take some luck and health on my side in order to uh in order to get it where i want but i'm again i'm waiting to because then i I've, I've gone i've gone on since then and drafted teams I, I, i've drafted a couple more teams i still don't like so it's like, I, I don't know, I feel like maybe it's one of those things I'm just never happy until the season starts and I see that, okay, I, it's not as bad as I, I thought. Because I don't know, yeah, I, don't no, like, I, I don't know how you feel I, about the draft. I could but. tend to do that too. I could tend to be that way, like where you just kind of, time goes by and you're starting to second guess yourself and stuff. I mean, totally get that. I think I think it's natural um, just by doing so many drafts. I think that probably just comes naturally for a lot of people, including myself. Um, so yeah, I think we really just need baseball to start. I, yeah, because I'm looking at like I'm looking at another team, and I'm like, this is an interesting build. Corbin Burns in the first, Manny Machado, Trevor Story. So there, I, I I'm a man of my. I took Story in the third. He was there, and then well, this kind of goes into our next guy because I got Presley as my first closer. Got K Craig Kimbrell. See another draft where Kimbrell was going earlier. He's going like almost pick one fifty ish now. I think I took him at pick ninety nine. 
just to give you an idea of where he was going compared to where, he, where he's going now. So I kind of got screwed there. But, you know, I mean, I made up for it later a little bit. <laughs> I do have Christian Javier there, which we never talked about McCullers. Um, real quick, do you think over under 100 innings for McCullers? Oh, man, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, right right now I would probably say under. I, I don't have I don't. I'm have assuming I'm talking I'm talking about a full season, though. You know what I mean? Like not like a abbreviated season 100. I'm talking about like a, if this season is a full season, I'm thinking under 100 as well. I have zero shares. I'm with you. Um, was just never really into it. I didn't trust. I, I, it was one of those I rather missed out waiting to get news than drafting. You know, what I mean, than assuming that he was going to be healthy type of thing. Yeah, yeah, man. When when we get more news, this is going to be the nature of of you know drafting. Guys are going to move up and down based on based on the news. Like, yeah, uh, when I was drafting before, like I would see someone take Lance McCullers or with an early, you know, maybe. Uh, top 13, 14 pick, and I'd be like, great, you know, that's that's one one spot, uh, one one more player that gets to fall to me, and now now obviously that's not going to happen, and it's just the nature of, of of the news here, like when you're drafting. Yeah, I mean, he's still gonna. The thing is, those people are still gonna draft him. I would recommend just avoiding until closer to the season if he's if he's healthy. But people are still gonna see him and be like, all right, because now he's gonna fall. The ADP is not gonna change overnight, so people are gonna be like, well. He's a, he's a, he's a value because of his price, and I think we need to get out of that mindset of a player is not just a, not. Uh, there's a reason why they fall. You know what I mean? If the, if a player falls, I think Modica said it on Twitter today. If a player that you didn't like or were fading falls, there's a reason for that, and you, it's if anything, it's justifying it your. It validates you. Yeah, it validates your yeah. reasoning for being down on them. Doesn't mean take them. Let them go. If they love you, they'll come back. Yeah, I saw that too. It's a good point. But yeah, and oh, sorry. And one last thing, I have I have a DC a fifty. I have an FBC fifty where I where I drafted eight bench pitchers, and the rest were bench hitters. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a team, by the way, with Ashby and Lauer slotted as starters. I royally screwed that up, <laughs> royally. And the bench pitchers are Gibson, Marco Gonzalez, Casey Mize, Rich Hill. And and then four like no names and one's a relief pitcher. Yeah, I royally screwed that up. Any pitching injuries, I am screwed. Good thing though, there's like good thing the overall is just like entries to other leagues. I'm hoping to just try to compete again. It was a fifty and I wanted to try it, but my my last fifty was I beasted that one out. I love that one. But okay, I'm 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 just going on and on about my teams. No one gives a crap about my teams. I guess we could get back to shortstop. Um, but we talk about Javier Baez and Bogarts and. Um, it's kind of like they're all in this one big tier, by the way. We're still here. Where's the let's look at the ADP? Um, Simeon Lindor, six, seven, Bogarts, eight, Javier, Javier Baez, nine. Do you have a preference in this group or one you'll target more than others? Uh, well, it kind of depends on, on the format. Um, uh, like in these DCs, um, you know, Baez is kind of going the latest uh, of these guys. And uh, like I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure I actually have any any shares of these three: Lindor, Bogarts, and, and Baez. Not that I'm not a fan. It's just around this these picks here between 49 and 60. I'm I'm typically looking at a starting pitcher. Uh, but if I did need like steals, I probably would like between the three. I could see myself taking Baez. Uh, but Xander at, at this in this range, I'm not sure where he's gonna go. Like in your like yahoo and espn formats but like he's still a really great pick like all around especially like in points leagues he's he's great uh 
But yeah, I don't know. I mean, the interesting one here is Lindor, right? I mean, first season in New York, typically, you know, first uh, first season in a new city, signs a big contract. Um, you tend to see a lot of guys struggle in that first year, you know. He's I don't think he's going to be, you know, a 230 hitter again. But where does that bounce back to and, you know, um could that could that be a really good value here at pit 49 as the seventh shortstop i mean i think it can be i don't know i think there was um it was always one of those things where he always he wasn't very efficient on the base pass if memory serves i have to and i i I feel like i'm in one day and out the next like i think i just i i don't know how i'm supposed to feel like it's not like he did have a better uh second half you know to finish the year hit 241 compared to 225 in the the first half the speed was always there but he actually only stole second uh two 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 bases in the second half compared to eight in the first but there was a lot less plate appearances because there was injury and stuff involved so i don't know what to expect i feel like last year was the floor though so if you can i think if you're drafting lindor expect last year at the very least which is still a solid year still a 103 wrc plus sure only a 230 batting average, which is unfortunate, but 10 stolen bases and 20 home runs. And you know, he's going to, and again, that's the floor, I, I would say, because I think, you know, more playing time. Plus, he still had elite plate discipline. He actually was more patient last year and probably can gain by just being more aggressive at the plate again. A career high strikeout rate, but it was also a career high walk rate. So it's like one thing led to the other, like one hand fed the other. It was, it's a weird, just weird changes in the profile, low BABIP, just, a lot of things I think are going to correct itself. Some of the stuff you can't quite quantify in the numbers, but just you mentioned playing in New York is not easy, especially first year and mega contracts. We see guys, you know, Machado and Harper struggled their first year with their mega deals. They've turned around and become first and second round picks again. So Lindor could easily go that route. And anytime you have strong plate discipline and a power speed floor I'm and a, and a, and a strong base that Lindor has and offers, I think there's always good there's always the reason to take them because of that i think it's almost like you it's almost like hedging your bet like there's no reason to fade this profile really but at the same time he might not quite bounce back fully but i think i don't know i'm kind of again you see how i'm just like so like and eh, i sure how yeah, I feel. yeah. yeah um, like i said I, this is this is the range pick 49 <laughs> where like yeah I, i'm i feel more i feel better about like the pitchers going here so like you know freddie peralta is going to pick yeah. 47 uh, sometimes you can get a closer like, you know, Ryan Presley or Edwin Diaz, um, you know, Logan Webb's going to pick 65, you know, you know, I love Logan Webb, um, Max Freed, love Max Freed. So this is really a range where like, I'm looking at like, you know, I'm looking at either my SP2 or I'm looking at my ACE. Cause I, you know, I, I feel comfortable too, depending on what I did earlier in the draft, um, you know, doubling up on pitchers in this range. So I, I really haven't found myself with a lot of the, uh, this range in shortstops when we're talking about Lindor, Bogarts, and um, Baez. Uh, but Baez yeah, I mean, who, I guess if I'm oh, sorry, no, I was just gonna say, yeah, I guess if there's one that that I might, you know, and, and it's just because of the added speed, um, you know, I know we kind of talked about him in second base, but it's probably Baez. Um, and yeah, just depending on format, like Bogarts is just gonna be such a safe pick. Um, so you really can't go wrong there. He's going to chip in some speed. So you got to keep that in mind that you probably, you you know, that you're not getting, uh, the, you know, 10, 15 plus stolen bases, uh, from that you're getting like with the other earlier shortstops. But I mean, he's just, he's just such a safe pick. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much my thoughts here on, on these three. No, I I'm with you in terms of, uh, bias being the one I tend to gravitate towards. I only have one share. I thought I had two. I only have one, but 
that's one more share than I have of Lindor or Bogarts. But a lot of it goes back to how I just told you how I address shortstop. I usually get Stoyer or or uh, mm-hmm. or Anderson. Let's see how many Andersons do I have. I have one Anderson. I have three Brian Anderson. Didn't see that coming. Uh, one Tim Anderson. I'm looking at my. I have three Trevor Stories. There you go. So I have seven teams. I've given you five of my shortstops, and I think I have Tatis twice. I've taught these once. I thought I had them twice. So I've just given you what three, four, six of my seven shortstops. I'm sure I have a team with. I think Willie Adams might be on one of my teams. My point is, is that I typically ninety percent of the time address shortstop earlier. But Bogart, speaking of him, um, for, first half was great. Fifteen home runs, five stolen bases, hit three twenty one, three eighty five, five fifty four. So what happened in the second half? He hit uh, Bogart's hit just two fifty five, three forty seven, four thirteen. So going from a nine hundred, a nine hundred over nine hundred OPS to not even able to crack 800 OPS. And there's a lot of reasons. He had bad Babbitt luck in the second half, just 288 Babbitt. Uh, still posted at 105 WRC+, so it was above average, but barely, you know, compared to the 147 WRC+, plus in the first half. But Bogarts dealt with bad Babbitt luck. He didn't pull the ball as much. I think a lot of it, that you can chalk up to injury and COVID. Not only, did he con- not only did Bogarts contract COVID in the second half, but he also dealt with a knee injury and wrist issues. Like, the dude was just banged up had covid and i think it just all played a part i do think bogarts was in for a big year and maybe he's one of those like you know normally people look at first half second half splits and favor the second half i think this is one where you look at the first half and favor the first half and expect a better overall line entering 2022 assuming that he's you know healthy and ready to go yeah that's all i i just had his numbers ready i might have to write an article about him because i had his i had his information ready to roll um just sitting here from like i looked i i have i have a page of like 50 player splits because I looked into a whole bunch of player splits. I just haven't written down. I, I just sat here, scrolled while you were talking and found them. Um, but Baez is another guy that um he was pretty bad with the Cubs, Cubs, and then turned it on. And Baez had a huge second half with the Mets. But mm-hmm. I think Baez always does this. He's just streaky. He's a roto player. And the multi-position eligibility is what gives him the edge for me, along with the higher speed. I think I think Lindor might have the higher speed ceiling, but I trust Baez to have the higher speed floor at this point. All things I guess maybe similar. I don't know. I think Baez just has been doing it. The track record, you don't doubt it anymore. Even though, but he's again now the argument is is he's his first year in a new on a new team. Mm-hmm. So maybe the one year I buy into Baez is the wrong year to buy in. <laughs> but I only have one share, so I'm glad. You know, I stopped it. I got ahead of it and stopped it. But you know, a guy I have zero shares of, and I actually want a share, but I can't ever seem to get like. We're talking a min pick of 29 this month, but a max of 83. If he falls to 83rd overall, Wander Franco will be on my team. He's a guy I'm out on at his usual ADP around 60. It's 63.89. I, I usually, again, it goes back to me addressing shortstop earlier. But if you fall, if he falls to 83, like even 75-ish, almost like goes back to our Riley conversation. I think Wander Franco fits that Riley mold in terms of I'll take him at the right price, but he never falls to the right price in drafts I'm in. What, what do you think about Wander Franco? Yeah, I um, don't have any shares of Wander yet, and I, I think it's you know where where he's going, and you know we've seen a lot of discourse on on Wander recently. He's been yeah. you know, a pretty polarizing player um, in, in the industry as far as you know arguing his upside, and you know I I don't doubt that there's going to be you know a lot more upside coming for for Wander. I I, I think the whole argument is like is he going to take that next step you know this this upcoming season uh, when it comes to you know the power. I think he's a pretty safe bet to be one of the better batting average assets, you know, in fantasy, um, you know, only struck out 12% of the time, hit 288. And, and I think he just got better as the season went along. 
Um, so, I, you know, I think you can easily project, you know, a, a 290 plus batting average uh, with Wander. He's probably going to play, you know, he's probably one of one of the players in Tampa that you don't have to worry about, um, you know, sitting sitting once or twice a week. Um, he's going to play. The, the question is, is the power, right? Like when, because he, he's the power and the speed, right? Yeah. So, I mean, when, when's the power going to come if it does? Because he's never really been a big power hitter in the, in the minors that just, you know, best hit tool, but. Yeah, hit just seven home runs and 308 plate appearances. Stole, only stole two bases. Um, he only produced 12 barrels last year. Um, 12 barrels in those 308 plate appearances, good for just a 4.9% barrel rate. Now, you know, of course, like he puts plenty of, of balls in play, um, but without him hitting the ball harder, I'm just not sure he's going to take a jump. You know, even if you double that that barrel rate and you give him, you know, 600 plate appearances and 24 barrels, that might convert to give him 700 plate appearances. If Wander, you know, reaches 700 plate appearances, that's still maybe he hits those. Maybe he reaches 20 home runs. But it's just I don't know. I shortstop is not a position where you need to like push someone up for you know position scarcity. So, and I'm looking at guys that that are going a bit later. Like I'm not sure that he's gonna give me anything different than. You know, like Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds going much later, much later than than Franco. It's a you know similar profile. One of the you know safer batting average um, assets, or you know, in, in fantasy. And you know, Reynolds has you know easy twenty plus homer power, and is also going to chip in on the base pass. So yeah, I, I just haven't found myself with with uh, with Franco. I mean, maybe a better points league um, player this year, uh, but as far as like in in roto leagues, I just. There's not enough of that uh, category juice, that uh, home run and stolen base juice for me to take him where he's going right now. And Reynolds is a guy who plays every day. I think we mentioned him on a previous podcast for the same reason, because even on a bad Pirates team, he had what combined 180 runs in RBI. So there's no reason why. And he could be traded, too. So Reynolds could end up in a better lineup like by midseason. So I think Reynolds is a good comp in terms of a fallback option with a very similar skill set. And the reason why that, that that matters is because if you fall back and take a Reynolds, or you can argue a Jesse Winker, if just a healthy Jesse Winker does, you know, very similar things in terms of batting average and runs an RBI with more power. I think the reason why is because I feel like I'm comfortable taking one of those two guys, knowing that maybe the batting average ceiling isn't as high, but knowing that the floor is pretty good for them while addressing a better speed option. Um, Franco's going to give you the counting stats and he's going to give you the batting average for sure. And that has value, but I rather like, I think it'd be almost fun to pair him with Chisholm. Who's going right behind him in drafts. Cause you have Chisholm who has the tools, but it's a question of where he bats in the lineup where Chisholm will Chisholm get those, you know, runs in RBI, but you know, there's gonna be some pop and speed there. So it's almost like the high floor with the high ceiling paired together. It sounds like fun, but that's kind of like you take wander I, it's just hard to fall. It's hard to fit Wander into how I build my teams that at, at, in that part of the draft because either I want speed there or pitching, and I feel like Wander isn't giving me enough speed. And I and again, I like to try. I really do just try to target um a Reynolds or a Winker in that area where you're for the batting average skill they bring. Plus, again, very similar in terms of like what you can expect in terms of counting stats with better power. Uh, Reynolds may be more similar in the power department, but Winker can hit 30 plus and bat th- close to 300. So, mm-hmm. oh no, I'm really high on Winker. I like Winker a lot, even though he can't hit a lefty. That's fine. Yeah, he, hits that's... Ra- he hits righty so well, though. It's one of those things like he can't, he might not hit a lefty, but he hits righty so well that I'm not concerned. 
Yeah, I might have one share, and it's just because, yeah, the the struggles against lefties, and um, it just seems like um, an injury Always pops hurt. up here and there. Yeah, <laughs> But DH would help him, because, like, although they have... I'm trying to think who would DH there. I think they... Have, I was looking at their roster resource the other day, and um, but even in a 110 games last year, he hit 305 with 24 home runs, Winker did. With with 140 runs in RBI, and this is 110 games, and yes, he's never played more than 113 in a season, so you can argue that that's going to be an issue. But we're talking about 50 plus picks difference with a similar skill set, where I can get replacement value and all that. Blah blah. blah. There's a whole bunch of talking points here, but I like Winker, and we're getting off way off topic when I'm talking about Justin <laughs> Winker on a shortstop preview. Um, Chisholm, we talked about in second base more in depth. I I'm kind of down on him just because. I'm afraid of the volatility. I'm I'm okay in 12s. I'm more okay with him. I've realized I, I have adjusted my thinking for 12s and more than 10 or 12s and 15s. I realize there is a difference. I'm more likely to take a Franco and a Jazz in a in a 12, where I feel like it's not as important to get either the high floor with Jazz. Like I can take a shot on him. Or I, I know I can get power and speed a little easier throughout in a shallower format, so Franco's high floor can fit better. But I haven't found myself with either e- anyway. I'm just more open to taking them at their costs in that twelve. Is that fair? Like, do you would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I, I can I hear that argument. Um, I I like jazz. I'm I'm in on jazz. I don't see. Loser? Yeah, I don't see any reason why. Um, yeah, Miami wouldn't play him like all year. Um, oh, that's not the concern. The problem is, is the concern is go look at literally everything after April last year. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think, and that scares me. He played through a couple issues. He played through a couple. Uh, he had a couple um, COVID stints. Um, I think he had a hamstring here and there. I mean, I love he, the idea of Chisholm. I love the talent. I think he's upside, a, I think the, I think he's so much fun of a player to watch. Not that yeah. I can watch him with blackout restrictions, but. Um, the uh, you kind of have to draft him knowing that you gotta you know you have to have a the batting average a, um, a plan B in general though because yeah. I think he just plays so aggressive that he's gonna get hurt he's likely to have an IL stint or a small short one but the way he plays and the way he runs and how aggressive he is I think Chisholm landing on IL feels like a strong possibility so just you have to plan for it i agree yeah yeah you gotta you gotta plan for the the low batting average too but i mean he attempted 31 steals in 507 plate appearance hit 18 home runs i mean there's real 20 30 potential here um with chisholm and i mean yeah as as long as he's healthy i don't see why he wouldn't keep playing there um in miami like you said he's going to be an incredible he's going to put butts in the seats you know that's for sure so um yeah i i like i like jazz um, I'm, I'm drafting, you know, I, I know that I need some uh, batting average if I'm going to take him. So like, he's someone that I take and then I'm immediately looking for Brian Reynolds with my next pick. Um, or if <laughs> I always, took like, so seven degrees of Brian Reynolds, it always leads back to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just such a, he's a good player, man. He's going and he's got a good draft price too. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I like jazz. Um, I also like, you know, I also like Polanco. We're a lot of guys here with that second shortstop eligibility. I know. Um, I, so I, I, yeah, I, I like Polanco too. Um, I've taken him as a shortstop uh, I don't think in I a draft. Polanco yet? Yeah, I think the the power's legit. He had 33 home runs last year, stole 11 bases, hit 269. You know, doesn't strike out a ton. Uh, Produce, you know, 48 barrels, 10% barrel rate, 48 barrels. I mean, yeah, I think. Um, 
I think that's that's pretty legit. Um, I think so Polanco. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say I I like Polanco. I think he's um, you know good for twenty five to thirty homers, and you chip in some speed. Um, it's gonna hit in the heart of that that order there in in Minnesota. So yeah, I, I like Polanco. I think he's a good uh, where he's going here is is a pretty good price. Polanco sold out for power, and you could tell in the lower batting because you know normally he was more of a batting average guy. He had mm-hmm. a fifty two. 0.7% pull rate last year. Polanco did. That is crazy. He pulled everything. Now, because of how strong of a hitter he is in terms of that hit tool, he's able to utilize it in his in his for his benefit. But he also had a career high pull a fly ball rate. So I think that's where the power came from. He made a purposeful change in his approach to pull the ball more and put the air ball and elevate the ball more. And that's why you saw the career high fly home run to fly ball rate. 15.8 was the first time he actually broke 10 home run per fly ball. 10% home run per five ball rate for Polanco. So Polanco is a guy that the approach leaves little room for error on the batting average, but the power can remain as long as he sustains, you know, being as aggressive, pulling the ball in the air. Um, that was just something I noticed. There's a few guys that went that were out. Uh, another guy we'll get to soon uh, in a little bit, Dansby Swanson, kind of like a poor man's Polanco last year, but he also made a very similar, uh, very similar change in his approach. Um, but this before, before we get to him and finish that conversation, and there's a group right after Jazz, Polanco, and Franco, Seeger, Witt Jr., Correa. This is per the ADP, and then Swanson's right there with them. Um, but I want to focus on Seeger, Correa, and Witt Jr. Seeger is going ahead of them all, and I think it's because we know how good he really is. There's no question with the hit tool, the plate discipline's great, the guy barrels the ball well, he just can't stay healthy. New ballpark that I'm not sure how his power is going to play in and a worse lineup than the Dodgers. I'm not out on Seager, but I just don't know how to. I, I know I'm not really in on Korea either. So it's like, I, again, it goes back to I just named there's a reason I just named what we named 12 or 13 shortstops that we would take ahead of these guys. So maybe that's why we're not getting any. But Bobby Witt is so polarizing. So it's a right here. There's a perfect choice of do you want upside with Bobby Witt or are you taking the proven commodity with Seager Correa? Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Sigh so, and deep breath and just close your eyes and pick. Yeah, I, I haven't taken um, I haven't taken Seager. I, I think he's another one who um, probably better in a points league uh, than I'm probably more likely to take him in like a head-to-head points league than I am like in a roto league. Just because, like you said, I'm. There's a bunch of shortstops going ahead of them that are going to provide speed, and you typically want to get speed from the, those middle infield positions. Uh, so I'm probably not going to find myself with too much Seager, uh, again, unless it's like a, a points league. Um, as far as Correa goes, you know, at least with Seager, you you know that, like, you know, he's a pretty safe bet to hit for a good batting average, and, you know, he's, he's shown more of that... Um, the, the power potential over the last couple seasons. The, the big question with him is, you know, if, if he could stay on the field, um, you know, when it comes to Seager. And, you know, so Correa, Correa just doesn't have that standout tool. He doesn't have that standout category. He's just, I mean, he's solid. But going, you know, 40 picks later, I'm looking at Willie Adamas and I'm like, man, I, I don't see why Willie Adamas can't give me exactly what Carlos Correa is going to give me plus a handful of steals, you know, so. Yeah, I I typically don't find myself um, looking at Carlos Correa where he's going. And then when it comes to Witt, I mean, yeah, I, I I have taken him when he's fallen like just outside the top 100. 
doesn't happen very often, but I have taken him. He he's fallen to like 103, 104, and, I, and I'll take a chance on him there. Uh, maybe with the thought that you know he he could take that third base job and and gain that shortstop and third base eligibility. The big question there is going to be the hit tool, how the hit tool translates um, to the major league game. I, I imagine once we get baseball going and we get hopefully you know we get some spring training games. If if he's crushing it, man, he's he's gonna he's probably gonna be a, a, a riser there. Um, maybe going fifth, sixth round. So yeah, I, I'm not gonna have too much weight unless he's falling. Uh, just because yeah, a lot of uncertainty there. But I, I could see it. I could definitely see the potential. Um, ju- just because y- you know on the on the Royals team, he's gonna run. You know, he stole 29 bases uh, last year across Double uh, A AA and Triple A. Uh, hit 33 homers so yeah he's got got incredible potential I, i've heard the comp to like trevor story out there you know that that kind of profile so yeah it's definitely uh, definitely a ton of upside there yeah bobby witt i have one share and he fell just outside the top 100 in that league that's why i i was like mm-hmm. and it was and it was nfbc it was a 50 so it was a 12 teamer and that's another reason why again it goes back to knowing your format in a 12 i want him because again he's a potential difference maker at a deep position and you can fill it in who I, I have to go back and see who I filled them in with. But I'm pretty sure I probably grabbed like a, a Rosario or something like that type of, you know, all right, he's late. I, I have two and, and, and actually what was my second shortstop in that league. So he was actually, he was already my middle infielder when I grabbed him. So that's another thing. It's you have to think about what your format is. Cause if you're in a 12 or a 10, you want upside and Franco has upside. Jazz has upside. Wit has up, upside. Seeger is great, but you can almost you can get both and bench with and plug in Seeger or Adamez or Correa or Swanson. And going talking about Adamez, you and I are both above the market on him. I have Adamez above Correa, and I don't have any regrets about that. I don't care what anybody tells me. Um, he's just so good with the Brewers. That's all I'm like. There's not really much to say about uh, Adamez. He's just so good with the Brewers. I mean, I guess we can give the numbers. I have to find them. I have them written down somewhere. Dude yeah, I mean, it, just, it comes it comes down to um, basically him not hitting at the trop, you know. Um, he, he always was vocal. He was always saying how he couldn't see there. Yeah, and we, we saw uh, basically after it was like a middle of May uh, when he was traded um, to, to Milwaukee, um, just taking his numbers from, yeah, May 18, May 22nd, he started mm-hmm. with Milwaukee. Um, I think it was May 21st, actually, because I think it was my yeah. birthday. 285, 366, 521, 20 homers, four steals. Um, that slash line, I think I, I remember taking a look. It was basically Corey Seager. Um, like, not a whole lot different, plus the four stolen bases. But it was basically spot on, um, like, with Corey Seager. So, uh, I mean, yeah, the strikeout rate went went down. 11.4% walk rate, 25% strikeout rate. And he, he makes really good quality contact. So, you know, you could live with the 25% strikeout rate, especially in a place like Milwaukee. You know, just the park shift going from Tampa to Milwaukee, where um, you're going to see hitters tend to, um, you know, overperform their expected stats. It's, you know, good good ballpark there for him. He's only 26 years old. So, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think there's another level here for, for Willie Adamas. And I, I'm with you in taking him over uh, Carlos Correa. Um, yeah, just taking a look at those numbers after May 22nd, it was a yeah 10% barrel rate, 44% hard hit rate. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot to like here with, with Willie Adams. You know, he's he's probably gonna hit you know second or third in that lineup. So yeah, I'm I'm all in. I think he's actually my most rostered. Um, he's one of my most rostered hitters in uh, through like 
I've got like 15 drafts done and NFBC is my most rostered hitter. Yeah, I don't have nearly enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> but speaking of, again, that next kind of grouping, we jumped we jumped to ADP a little bit. Adamus is 18. We both have him above ADP. But a guy that we're kind of in line with, and I realize we're kind of in line with a lot of shortstop, Danzu Swanson, I, I just think he is what he is. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you're getting, you're getting a little power, a little speed, and like a middling average. And that's fine. Swanson actually put up a career high pull rate and fly ball rate as well. That's where the 27 home runs came from, which were also a career high for Swanson. Nine stolen bases was nine for 12. Not bad. Um, just kind of that's who he is. And I think the power can stick if he continues the approach. But I think realistically 2010, 250, just, just, dra- you know, you're, you're getting that. That's what you're getting. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, <laughs> and you'll take that. You'll, you'll take that at pick 113, you know? Yeah, just yeah. depending on your team build. I think this the batting average might fluctuate a bit with, with uh, Dansby, but yeah, like you said, solid, on 20, solid 20 and 10 guy. And we talked about Luis Urias. I were both in a lot of tangible change there. Different batting stance, different approach, increased launch angle. Uh, go listen to the second base preview. We really broke him down quite a bit. Um, and I, I actually jumped. I'm looking at my ranks. I forgot how high I was. I'm like five or six above ADP on him. Um, he's not, he's the 22nd, uh, shortstop off the board. I'm all over the place in today's episode. Sorry guys. Um, <laughs> Chris Taylor, number uh, 19. We talked about him on second base as well. Oh, I, I skipped Cronenworth. Talk about pl- plug and play. Cronenworth is literally the epitome of that. He's a Swiss army knife. You know what you're getting with him. He, uh, Cronenworth has first, second and shortstop eligibility. I think that's what carries his ADP more than the skill set is the mm-hmm. fact that he's a DJ LeMahieu light. Um, same with Chris Taylor. I do think Chris Taylor's going to play every day, and he has second base shortstop outfield. He did steal quite a bit last year and was successful in the base pass, so that is worth noting because although Chris Taylor can or doesn't seem like the sexiest of picks, putting up a 2013 season and a season where Taylor was 13 for 14 on the base pass, that is worth monitoring because he might be that 254 hitter he was last year. Um, He might only hit about 20 home runs. And he, again, almost like Swanson, think Swanson, you can probably get a similar stat line out of Chris Taylor with multi-position mm-hmm. eligibility. But I think Swanson has the higher ceiling. That's why I prefer Swanson. But Chris Taylor, I mean, I know, I think you mentioned, you're not, I know you're not a huge fan of his, but if the stolen bases really are there, like if they come back, then there's a lot to be happy about considering where you can get them and considering how useful he could be for your team. Yeah, for me, with uh, when it comes to Chris Taylor, it's just, you know, I think as long as Mookie Betts and Trey Turner are healthy, he's going to hit towards the bottom of that lineup. Uh, we saw in September last year, he was hitting 7th, 8th, ninth sometimes. So I think he's going to hit the bottom of the lineup. And then um, just, you know, uh, going into his age 32 season, uh, how much is he going to keep, you know, his – his batting average is so BABIP driven. Uh, it's so BABIP dependent. I mean, he had a 337 BABIP, and that only produced a 254 batting average. I mean, because you know that strikeout rate is high. Uh, he hits a ton of line drive, so you know he's able to to maintain um, uh, an okay um, average. But when is that going to fall off? You know, if that if that BABIP falls a little closer to league average, you're looking at you know uh, a floor. You're you're looking at maybe that batting average bottoming out uh so that that's my concern with taylor lineup spot and then if he can maintain um a passable batting average 
Yeah, the bottom of that the lineup spot does make a difference. Yeah, and that was a good point to bring up because I'm the, I, as the lineup guy, I should have brought that up, and I didn't even really think about it. Like, <laughs> it didn't really cross my mind there. Um, speaking, but speaking of lineup spots, Ahmed Rosario should be hitting at the top of his lineup. We saw him bounce back in a big way, and most impressively, or most importantly, I should say, was the speed came back again. Most important for Roto purposes. But the speed came back, and he was a perfect 13 for 13. This is after having, you know, a, a history of having issues being efficient on the base pass. So I think we could see even more stolen bases now that he's proven to be efficient. Hit 282 last year. Rosario was, for all intents and purposes, back. Um, I think 15 15 is fair to to ask for with 11 and 13 with, with what he did last year. That feel, I mean. That's what that's again kind of this it's a similar line. He did put up, you know, 15, 19 in 2019, but I don't know. I think there's a, I think there's still a level of production he could reach that he didn't quite reach last year, but I like what he offers overall. You're an Ahmed Rosario guy too, correct? I've always been an Ahmed Rosario guy. <laughs> I love Ahmed Rosario. Um yeah, definitely disappointing in 2020, but like you said, he bounced back. Yeah, I mean, he has a 24 stolen base season before. He has a 19 stolen base season. He was 13 for 13 last year. I think all he needs is that green light. And, man, he could definitely um, outproduce his ADP here. He could definitely out-earn his ADP and be an incredible value. I, I've been taking him, especially, like, you know, if, if I have some builds where I feel like I need to supplement my speed a bit. And, yeah, he's going – where is he going in um, – in February, he's going, yeah, pick 143. I think he has been climbing up just a little, little by little. He's been climbing up a bit as, as you know, the, the season gets closer. There's a little more hype. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be a solid, uh, you know, solid batting average. There's no reason why he shouldn't play every day there in Cleveland. Uh, so good batting average, not going to kill you in, in, in power. I mean, I think, yeah, 15 is definitely in the cards there uh, for Rosario. I think 12 to 15. Uh, and then with the green light, I could, I could see him, you know, um, Maybe having a career high in stolen bases, uh, I think there's you know another 24 plus stolen base season in there with with Rosario. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely am definitely in on Rosario. Like like the profile here. <sighs> Not really anything to push back on. But the next guy, excuse me, man, I'm getting tired. It's getting a little late here. Uh, Glaber Torres, <laughs> sleepy cats, fine as baby. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't think we're gonna get to JP Crawford tonight, but <laughs> no, he's outside the top 30 for us. No, <laughs> I found I have to go back and find the tweet again, but I found your tweet, and that means I've had that means I found the date, which means I can go back and find the clip on my old computer. I think I'm excited. Um, I, I just, origin. I, yeah, I keep forgetting, and it's funny because it's gonna it's gonna be such a letdown when people listen because it's really not that great, but it is fun. It's just more like I think it's funnier for people who've been like who've done this and do this in terms of podcasting. I think people actually enjoy just be like, wow, he really fell asleep on the microphone. Uh, anyway, Gleyber Torres, what are you doing with him this year? Because I found I haven't found myself wanting him in a draft. I haven't found myself targeting him in a draft. I haven't found myself regretting missing out on a draft. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm uh I've been in on on Gleber at at his price too. I mean, I I think it's um I think he underperformed a bit last year. You know, he's still just uh, striking out just twenty percent of the time. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think the speed just kind of he really popped on the speed with fourteen stolen bases. I don't think he's going to repeat that, but uh yeah yeah. And maybe if you're looking at maybe eight or nine steals, um and you know I know it was only nine home runs. But 28 barrels, 7.8% barrel rate, um, because he's not striking out too much, that led to 28 barrels, 
and only produced nine home runs. So I, I definitely think there are there's more power uh, there with Glaber. I, I, he's not going to hit 38 home runs again like he did in 2019. Um, that that was crazy. You know, just the whole circumstances there with him basically hitting a home run every day in Baltimore whenever they played there, and then um, with the whole bouncy ball thing. I, I I but I think definitely think that he could rebound to 20 homers, and if he's basically Dansby Swanson with a better batting average um, ups with more batting average upside, I th- I think you'll take that at, at you know around this. Uh, range here at pick uh, 144 and you could probably count on him picking up second base eligibility as well so that's that that's going to help yeah i think that second half does give you reason to be optimistic for glaber 115 wrc plus only a 794 ops but considering he had a 634 ops in the first half uh, you'll you'll take that you know um all signs pointing up in that second half and let me double check something here yeah see he was uh, he was elevating the ball more in the second half, way more line drives, cut the ground ball rate in the second half. So there was more there was a, more going on there that well, hello. Is that the price <laughs> a lot of, going that, on that, here? Is that the price <laughs> of his ADP rising? Go you know what? Rush out and get him, guys. That's what that was. That was that's terrible. right. That's right. <laughs> that was a terrible comment. I don't know. What the hell was that? Just a car going. It was by? a car. Yeah. Yeah. You'll hear that here. Like Every so often. <laughs> yeah, in L.A. Yeah, it's been a while, man. It's actually been relatively quiet on, in our pods. Uh, that's it, we used to, I remember there was literally, now looking back on this on the show, like the first, like probably first hundred episodes, we'd have to, I would edit out a noise from your neighborhood. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, once uh, people had to quarantine and stuff, uh, all the, you know, the, there wasn't as many police sirens going on around here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, George. But yeah, so back to Glaber Torres. Uh, yeah, there was interesting again the home run for the fly ball. Everything went up in the second half, and there was a bunch of changes in the profile. So maybe we can see continue to see him grow because I feel like you know former top prospect he is just twenty five. I don't see why Torres the best of Torres has happened yet. But I think what it is is I again Ahmed Rosario is right there. Uh, Luis Urias is right there. Willie Adamas is just ahead of him. It's a matter of taking players I prefer around him first and not feeling the need to go out of my way to get Torres. I mean, I, I just, I really want to get more Urias and Damas and other guys. And I think that's why I keep missing on Torres. Not that I'm out. I just don't make a point to go get him because I feel like you have to because you have to willingly take him over those other names we just mentioned. And for me, I just don't. That's all it is. Yeah. Maybe I'll diversify and change. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, we talked about Urias, what we mentioned before. We talked about Rodgers on the last on the second base podcast. We recommend go back and listen to that. Uh, Suarez, we just talked about in the last episode. Um, that strong September gives reason for optimism heading into this year. Uh, we know the power is legit, but if he can focus more on the contact, unless I'm pulling everything in the air or into the ground or pulling everything in general, I think Suarez can bounce back, be that 250 hitter with 30 home runs again. Uh, O'Neill Cruz, real quick on him. What are your expectations? Do you think he's up early or do you think he's kind of like fool's gold right now? Oh, man. Um, I think he'd be going 100 picks later if he hadn't had that one batted ball of 118 miles per hour <laughs> last year in, like, the two games that he played. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't – I haven't found myself with any um, O'Neill Cruz yet. Um, I, I just – yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to start the season. Um, I mean, where he's going right now, I think – yeah, going at pick 206, maybe if it was like, because um, I've done a lot of DCs and I'm just not sure I want to be holding him if he's not going to 
uh, start the season in the majors and where you're picking them, you're, you're still picking guys that are going to be starting for you in your lineup. So, yeah, maybe like in a fab league, I'd be more willing to take a chance on him. Uh, but, yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm out at, at this price. I'm just there's just a lot of uncertainty. Uh, yeah, just not sure how. You know the hit tool is going to translate with with Cruz. We see a, a lot of times these these really taller guys um, kind of have trouble adjusting. Yeah, I'm just not sure where he's going to settle there. And then with the playing time, um, yeah, I'm not. I haven't found myself in on him. Yeah, I I'm not. I have one share, and it's in our uh, FPAS draft. He was there when we restarted, so I got a really good value on him. Uh, but yeah, I just, I'm with you. I, I'm okay missing out. I understand he has a similar projection to wit in terms of like his projections on fan graphs. I believe I just don't know if Cruz is going to be up as quick as wit. And although I think he should be up early, it is the pirates. We've seen them toy with their prospects before. I mean, I, at least I, from what I recall, I mean, what Jared Oliva can get up and he like, they have no one to block these guys. And I feel like they still don't make an effort to get these guys up. So I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering how they treat their prospects. Um, Austin Meadows could barely break camp with them at one point, I believe. They traded him away. We all know how that turned out. Um, there was a lot. So it's like, I don't know what to expect with how they're going to treat Cruz. Maybe something with the CBA will matter. That's super two date. Uh, but Cruz is also like a giant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm afraid there could be some exploitable, exploitable ho- holes in his in his swing that major league pitching can take advantage of. So there could be some early struggles. I have a lot. I'd rather just be, I'd rather miss out on what could be a discounted price versus where he would go if he's said to break camp with the team. So I'm okay with that. I I do understand the upside. I do. I do see the upside. I just also have questions and concerns that keep me from jumping onto him at this price as well. That's, that's all it is. Uh, Brandon Crawford, Giants man, tell me about him. He'll be one of our final guys here before we get out of here. Yeah, um, just incredible what the Giants have been able to do w- with those hitters there. Just with yeah. old with, guy, with their old dudes that see, we thought they were done, but they're not. Right, yeah. yeah. It's crazy just how everything clicked last year. Yeah, he hit 298, uh, 373, 522 with 24 homers, 11 steals. I do think that the power is legit. I, I do believe in the adjustments that that he made. Um, had 44 barrels, 11.5% barrel rate, 43% hard hit rate. Uh, a lot of those being career highs. Um, I am buying the power. I'm not buying the steals. I, I, I he's not going to steal 11 bases uh, again. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I don't think he's going to hit 298. You know, a lot of projection systems have him for, you know, around two six to, you know, mid 250s to 260. I think that's fine. Um, you know, doesn't strike out too much. And if he is able to keep, you know, maintain that hard hit rate, I, I think that there's potential for maybe, you know, maybe 270. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to hit 298 for sure. So, yeah, another one of these guys who can hit, uh, you know, 20. 20 homers and chip in a few steals um, and not kill you in batting average. The, the problem also with, with Crawford, you know, is um, if he's going to platoon, I mean, he was much better against righties last year, hit 319, um, only 244 against lefties. So, uh, you you know, the giants are probably going to give him a day off here and there. So um, yeah, a lot of uh, the projection systems have him for, you know, around 130 games. I, I think he's a fine middle infielder, 
Um, if you kind of want just a little, you know, solid, solid production across the board, uh, I, I think he's okay. But yeah, um, yeah, age 35, I, I definitely get the skepticism. I just have a hard time buying in, not just because of age, but because of the skill, the complete skill change. The fact that he had a career high heart hit rate at in, a, in his mid thirties. The fact that he, it was his first time having a double digit barrel rate, at least since the Statcast era started. So since 2015, um, yeah, there was a change in his average launch angle, which helped him actually hit the second highest amount of five balls in his career. So some of the power gains are real, especially because the power. And I guess that makes sense if he's hitting with a different launch angle, maybe he's getting a better barrel on the ball and all that. So it makes sense why those fly balls are leaving the yard because he's barreling them up better because of the, the launch angle, et cetera, et cetera. It all kind of goes hand in hand. So there is reason to buy into the power. What I don't buy is the, you're right. The batting average, I'm, I'm having a hard time with the batting average. Uh, the even stone bases, he was 11 for fifth, four, He was 11 for 14. So he was efficient, mostly efficient. You know, that's pretty solid. It's the, the play discipline above average swing strike rate for Crawford above not in a good way like blow sorry i guess worse than league average worse than league average swing strike rate worse than league average chase rate um below average contact rates across the board i don't understand how he's going to sustain a even over 250 batting average two, two and and it shows because he's barely hit 256 228 254 253 each of the last four seasons prior to the 298 last year i don't know if he's going to be able to sustain the batting average with that plate discipline being all those metrics being below average and but the power i do buy i do think he's a 20 20 to 25 horn bat and i do think we will get i think we'll get closer to seven or so steals i think that's gonna save him but again even with regression built regression is built into his adp and that's what's interesting because usually you don't see a guy coming off such a solid strong year being able to be had so late and you know you're getting them as your reserve shortstop and shallower formats or you're getting them as a middle infielder in deeper formats it doesn't get much better i mean i feel like crawford's a lineup uh roster uh stabilizer i feel like he's a guy you just kind of set forget if you could plug him in for 20 home runs seven ish steals i'll even say five and a 250 batting average that's not great but it's not bad especially injuries pile up and all that you'll take the production and you know he's going to play and even if he's only a strong side platoon guy at times that's still majority of the playing time you just adjust so i'm not exactly i'm not super in on him but i'm not definitely not out i do have to move him down i realize i have him higher than suarez and o'neill cruz though i think i'd rather take those other two guys over him um and uh, uh, real quick i guess we could touch on them because we you know it's running a little long in this podcast because we got into a few tangents um Nicky Lopez, are you in or are you out? I'm out, but I do like that he's dropping in drafts because, I mean, there was a time where he was going around pick 180, 190. Um, that's not happening anymore. You've seen him now um, in this last month going at pick 240. Um, so I it could definitely see him uh, there. Um, I, I, again, I don't I don't think he's going to hit 300. Um, you know, he had a, you know, popped to 347 BABIP last year, so... I don't think he hits the ball hard enough to sustain that. Um, so if it's closer to league average, you know, maybe you're getting a 260, 270 uh, batting average. Um, you know, uh, uh, also with him, you know, the lineup spot, um, you know, where's that Where's that going to settle? Where's he going to settle in there with the in the batting order? I don't think he's going to hit second in that lineup again, uh, like he did down, down the stretch uh, in the second half uh, for the Royals last year. I think he's going to be someone that, you know, maybe slips a few spots down there in the in the lineup. So 
Yeah, this is typically just not the kind of profile that I want to be targeting. Like, I don't want to have to get a, a Nicky Lopez that's going to be a zero power guy that uh, no power, no uh, RBI production. Uh, you're really just getting them in, in hopes of, um, you know, repeat batting average and some runs scored and, you know, 15 to 20 steals. And it's just not the kind of profile that I'm hoping to, you know, plug in that I'm wanting to plug into my lineup uh, in a starting spot. So. I'm probably not gonna have uh, any Nicky Lopez, but I I, I can understand. Uh, I I could. It's the price is more more palatable here at 240 than it was earlier in draft season. Oh, for sure, I get that. Um, yeah, I'm more likely to go after a guy like Andres Jimenez right around this area, mm-hmm. which we saw with Jimenez. Where is where did I put it? Uh, when he got called up on uh, August 8th. He finished the season with three home runs and seven stolen bases, but he was a perfect 11 for, for 11 on the base paths. So Jimenez, another guy efficient on the base paths, hit just 245 with a 320 OBP and with like no power, only a 382 slug during this time. But again, we're talking about a guy who's at least not a zero like Nicky is in the batting in the home runs. And although he might hit towards the bottom third of the order, I think he's going to have the green light. And I do think he brings you at least 10 home run potential. So Jimenez is a guy I do find myself liking to fall back on. Um, Gavin Lux, I'm out on. I'm just not chasing that upside anymore. Because that's all that's at this point, you're just banking on the on the prospect pedigree, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and with Lux, I mean, I think he's gonna be another one of these guys that's gonna be like a strong side platoon. Um yeah, so I'm I mean, I think uh yeah, with Lux, I mean, we kind of talked about him at second base, but yeah, hit 188 against lefties, 260 against righties. Did make a, you know, plenty of contact, but I'm just not sure that we're going to see him produce like he produced, um, you know, in that 2019 season in Double A AA and Triple A, where he really just exploded. And, and really, that's looking at this point, it's looking like the outlier season for him. Um, so I'm not sure that that upside that we thought was there is going to come to fruition. But yeah, I haven't found myself with any Lux. I wonder if I think Kibun was like the same thing where kind of not that he now that Lux didn't have more pedigree initially, but Kibun was a guy like in the minors that kind of flashed here and there, had a solid 2019, and then and you know he has solid 2018 as well, just hasn't been able to turn it into anything since. Um, but that's another talk for another day. Um, I was looking for <laughs> I got caught up in that after I, I looked up randomly look up Carter Keyboom. Oh, because I wanted to talk about Urshela real quick. He's being kind of almost forgotten. He's still playing and starting for the Yankees, right? Like I'm not seeing missing anything. I know he's nothing special, but he's still in that one of the best lives in baseball in one of the best ballparks in baseball. Why is Urshela not getting any love? And I think he's multi-positional eligible. He yeah, is. he's got third base. So no, oh yes, third base. Sorry, I was like the wrong guy. So you're talking about a guy who not only plays third base, but he's a 30-second shortstop off the board. Like he's, I don't understand why. Like, I have him as a top one. Uh, I have him as a top 30. Um, I need to move him up. Actually, I'd rather have him over. I'd rather have Urshela over Nicky Lopez over Jimenez. He's right there with Crawford for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he was basically, um, you know, he, he hasn't. Like top 15. Going into this he season. hasn't reached um he hasn't reached 500 plate appearances yet and i do think the 21 home runs in 2019 were aided probably by the the bouncy ball but he was basically on the similar pace this last year uh 14 yeah. home runs yeah i mean the the batting average um you know hit 267 i i could see the batting average i mean <laughs> that spike that uh strikeout rate spiked to 24 percent um yeah was typically that was uh, the one thing that concerned me but yeah. 24 and a half, 24.7% is not bad in today's game at all. 
Yeah, so I think he could bounce back to, you know, 270 batting average um, and maybe approach 20 home runs. You're looking at maybe between 15 to 20. And if he can stay healthy... Um, and and he can if he can get over 500 plate appearances, then um, yeah, I think he's a pretty solid value there where he's going, especially with that uh, third and short eligibility. Yeah, I just feel like he's kind of being like the fact that he's going almost near pick. He's going at 282 right now. Yeah, with a min pick yeah. of 250. I think there's just worse players to pick for depth. Uh, that's almost uh, he's almost a reserve round pick at this point. Yeah, like, he's not mm-hmm. quite, but. Like I look at him and I'm like, why are we just saying, you know, screw you or so? Like, mm-hmm. I understand he's not, maybe it's cause he's not flashy or fun, but why not just take a shot? You know, like if it's not him, then you're settling for JP Crawford, Miguel Rojas, not guys I'm necessarily out on, but I feel like there's more questions in terms of like playing time possibly for Rojas because of Wendell and who knows what the Marlins are going to do. Crawford yeah. could be batting ninth. Not that Urshela's batting any higher in the lineup, but with injuries, Urshela tends to find his way up the lineup throughout the season anyway. Um, VR is not, not even on a team. I know speed is driving that, but he's not even on a team right now, so there's question marks there. I don't know. I just think I think that we need to put some respect on his name. You know, That's it. Yeah, I, just gonna, I just wanted to make my case for Urshela. I'm tired, so we're going to get out of here. It's almost an hour and a half. This is, one of our, this is probably our longest pod of the season so far. Um, on the way out, if you're still hanging out, we appreciate it. Five-star rating review. Check us out at skplaybook.com. S, the letter S, the letter K, playbook.com. Uh, catch George on Twitter at roto underscore Nino. I'm at Mike underscore Curland. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon, I guess. <laughs> See you all later.